Now, Christianity has its 13th apostle, a faithful witness to the love, mercy, and truth of Jesus Christ. How about you? Will you be the 13th apostle? to another episode of the 13th Apostle where we explore the good, the beautiful, the true of the Catholic faith and the Catholic Church. This is Tom Caffrey and Shania Twain uh, with my co-host <laughs> Dan Duddy. How are you doing, Dan? Hey, Tom. Uh, it's Maureen's pretty, favorite pretty artist. In- Oh, it is? I was wondering how you knew, because from what I know about you, and I've known you for quite a while now, that, that is so not you. So I have to tell you that I immediately thought of Maureen, and that you must have you must have tapped into Maureen and said, hey, we're doing this this episode with Danny. So did she help you get that? or, or only, you, how'd you? only her inspiration, that's all. Gotcha. That's yeah. all it takes. That's all it takes. Yeah. Uh, and... Uh, so I, I mean, when Maureen got a karaoke machine many years ago, mm-hmm. Shania Twain. I mean, uh, I, I don't know what you can say about a CD. I, what we used to say with our records on the round table was, we, you know, we we deepen the grooves uh, on that. We just play the song over and over again. That's right. Yeah. You know, but uh, yeah. So I mean, the lyrics of this song are really. Right on to our uh, our topic of consumerism. Here's the difficulty. Here's a challenge for everybody listening. That two thirds of the American economy is based on consumerism. So, is this kind of like a tiger having a tiger by the tail? Uh, because if we spend less then the companies build up inventory they not making as much money uh, they lay off workers and you know maybe we go into a recession or something like that uh, inflation definitely inflation the more the more we spend so uh, it's a dilemma from where we are but if we you know if you we're going to talk about you know Catholic social teaching how this all relates and I would encourage our audience to get a little bit of time. You know, I don't have to read the whole thing, but uh, uh, although I do recommend it, but a little bit at a time of Pope uh, Leo the Thirteenth's encyclical. On uh, I think it was 1891. He uh, he wrote it. 
or published on the Vatican's, uh, uh, well, in the Vatican's press. They didn't have a website back then. Uh, although God knew they would have a website eventually. Uh, but Rerum Novarum. Rerum Novarum. And that is such a powerful uh, encyclical about where we've gone wrong in capitalism. Uh, so it's and it's so big. Anybody watching the news or reading the news uh, knows that we're in trouble now and thirty something trillion dollars in debt as a nation. So Kaching Kaching, that's the name of the song by Shania Twain. Just hear that register cash register going. And uh, where do we go individually? Who stops it first, Dan? Who's who stops? Uh, we got rid of the blue laws. Uh, I think there's one town, I think we talked about this months ago, I think there's one town in Bergen County, New Jersey that still has the Sunday blue laws where there's there's either little or no shopping uh, on the Sunday. Yeah. So, well, you're, you know, once again, with your master's in theology and my master's in dirt, we're, we're probably going in two different directions with this. And it was, it was interesting to do homework for this episode. And, and this was this episode was your idea. And, you know, we, we alternate uh, not not by rule, but, you know, what it is, what themes that strike us. And then we dig into it on behalf of the of the other. And oftentimes our uh, we are in full agreement. Other times we come out of our, our, our uh, comfort zones. This one's out of my comfort zone a little bit. Not so much a comfort zone, but it put me in a realm where I never really lent myself to it much. Uh, Aileen, my daughter, as we speak, is in South Carolina with Mora and three over five waiting for the moving trucks to pull in down there in the Bible Belt. And Aileen says that their, their stores shut down you know, on Sundays. And they're actually, there are no sports you know, there are no, like, 5K runs and things that happen here all the time on Sundays. And uh, so that, that's pretty cool to know that. And that's part of the reason why she's moving down there. But this whole point of, you know, consumerism and materialism is, uh, you know, Tom, I always tell Maura, don't worry about money. We don't have any. <laughs> you, know, <laughs> you, can't, you can't worry about what we don't have. But because we really don't have, we've never had a lot of spending money. When we do get it, though, we have this desire for these items that are they're luxury items to us because we're used to not having them. But to others, they're everyday items like, you know, maybe another pair of running shoes or another pair of sweatpants for the gym. So in my studies and in, in putting my faith and entangling it with the concept of consumerism, we can literally and I find myself in my studies here become consumed ourselves with consumerism you know it consumes us it, it eats us and Great uh, point yeah you know whereas when we apply consuming to our faith you know we consume the Eucharist to allow God the Father in heaven to consume us and it's really it's really a conflict of either or and you can't live both. You can't serve both. And that's what I've come to understand in my studies here, uh, getting ready for the show. It's easily, it's so under our nose, you know, and to allow ourselves, you know, to have the wonderful life-giving gift of the Eucharist and to consume the Eucharist, we become consumed into and by the body of Christ. So we become community-based. We become attached to people. Whereas in consumerism, we become isolated and the big box stores get bigger and we become more and more isolated in this uh, this love 
this uh, deep affection, this idol God for material goods. And we've really got to watch it. Really got to watch it. Yeah. Well, a couple of weeks ago, a couple episodes ago, I think uh, we did uh, an episode on keeping the Sabbath holy. You know, what does that mean? And it'd be interesting to find out whether you and I and any of our listeners could limit their Sunday consumption Mm. to the Eucharist. Now, how do you integrate that with a day of rest and celebration for the week? As our Lord calls us to rest, not laziness, but rest is hugely important to our faith. Are you saying, like, don't have those meatballs that I love to make on Sunday? <laughs> no, I'm saying just, that... Just the Eucharist? I'm saying have the Eucharist, but you're not consuming in terms of purchasing. You're not going out oh, to the oh, stores. Oh, oh, oh. My- in my bed, yeah, I, I think I'm hungry right at this moment. So <laughs> that, that's a great point. I, that would be a wonderful, beautiful, valid point. If we as Catholics can do that, what what a great statement it would be to the box stores, to the rest of the world. Or Tom, I, I feel like I'm cutting off. Or only go purchase from the mob pas stores, where people are directly benefiting from your money for things that they make. Founded upon their charism or their maybe their their history, their their ancestry. Go to the Polish store, you know. Go to the, the to the Italian deli. Give to the small people. Build people up, you know. Especially on Sundays. So the Polish store. I mean, could that be? What would we get at a Polish store? Let's say. Kobasi, man. <laughs> So, so you're really into consumption. So you can't help yourself. You, no, you're talking about meatballs and kielbasa. Uh, okay, so you you put the Eucharist first. That's good. That's that's you have your oh, no, you no, have your no, priorities no. straight. Okay, all right. I told you I was hungry. <laughs> well, you know, Go bread, ahead. bread and uh, meatballs. Um, oh man. So you know, I think that. Uh, I mean, consumerism, the, the way, uh, here's uh, uh, John Paul II. Uh, it's a style of life directed towards having rather than being. Uh, it's a, a web of false and superficial gratifications. I mean, you know, generally, it depends. I mean, uh, definitely there's, there's plenty of superficial gratifications. We are a throwaway society. I'm not going to go into all, all the, the background of what I'm about to say, this little story, but today I was talking to a, a friend of mine who's down in Florida, and he's a real practical guy, and he knows so much about, I don't know, equipment and tools and things like that for the yard and for the house, the home. And so I've been putting off consuming for a fairly long time, as you well know, and uh, so a couple of things have changed, and uh, so I put in. Uh, we we're talking about. I mean, I've needed certain things for a long time, and so I finally, I put an order in today. And what? you know, these are it's for like uh, the, uh, the. I mean, you know, you've seen my garden, so I do a lot of work out there. And the, uh, for example, I've needed a good garden hose for years. And I put it off because they're a little pricier. You know, the ones that I don't care, you know, how many times I've seen don't kink, doesn't kink. Uh, they all kink except for this one particular type. And so I, I spent a little more today. I put that on the shopping cart. 
And then yeah, see, these, these are needs versus wants, though. These are needs. Anyway, go ahead. I would say, yeah, yeah they're, uh, I mean, I could obviously I've, I've done with the lousy hose I've had for years. I've done with that. But, uh, but I, for example, I get either uh, garden tools made in England or Japan. They make the best garden tools. You know, some of them are handmade, it's, it's, and they just they last forever. I mean, they're legacy uh, uh, equipment. So, but I don't. But of course, the consumerism partly, and this is what that music uh, wasn't uh, a lead into our program uh, tonight. Is I gotta have make sure I have not only that I have the money to pay for these things, uh, but that I don't neglect something else that's more important. So again, that that hierarchy of needs and, uh, and wants. The needs, of course, generally go above uh, the wants. Uh, so I think that but when Pope John Paul II, when he talked about having rather than being, that's so important. It's like we lose who we are because we got to have this, we got to have that. And a lot of those things don't last. Yeah, some of the things I just talked about, you know, eventually they're not going to last, but it's not, there's other things, though, that, uh, that everybody knows who's listening that, uh, you know, they, it just, it, these, a lot, too many things don't last. And so we go out and get more, and we either don't have the money, we put it on the credit card. Uh, what do we have, more than a trillion dollars in credit card debt in the country? Wow. You know, it's this disordered desire for, I mean, you just put a heading of resources, you know, whatever, it is, goods, money, whatever, but it's it's this disordered desire and we've, we've lost our proper uh, hierarchy. So, but Rerum Novarum, that encyclical, is, uh, it talks about, and you, you didn't say the word, but you said the concept uh, a few moments ago about subsidiarities. You know, this whole thing of buying local, these concentric circles that keep going out, and let's say Walmart is 10 circles away from us in our neighborhood. Right, uh, and, and when I say neighborhood, I mean the small shops, or what you know, like a food or something like that, or, or produce. Can we grow any of that ourselves, and do we share that? We're probably gonna have to do another couple of episodes along this line, because even if you read a summary of Rerum Novarum from Pope Leo the Thirteenth, how this consumerism affects the family. Well, I mean, we talked about how it affects individuals, and we got to lose our, our priorities. How it affects the family, how this all this consumerism, you know, the the technology. It's especially true with technology, as, as we know. You know, we need a new computer, a faster computer. Uh, usually, the two biggies are the uh, computer and, and the and the phone, the smartphone. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, uh, so it's a big deal when Apple comes out with, uh, which they did just recently, this new like AI headset. That I think is retailing for around thirty-five hundred dollars. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, you know, I think so. My last course in the theology program there was a discussion, a very lively, another lively, somewhat heated discussion about consumerism. And this one classmate, dear friend of mine. In fact, I emailed him today. We haven't talked in a long, long time, but we're going to get back together. We're going to do a um, a book uh, review discussion, uh, two classmates and uh, and the professor, and. He made a comment about, let's say, a Lamborghini. And wh- why do people need a Lamborghini? Yeah. And so, you know me, I, I get the one point he's making. 
But then you got to take it a little further, and you say, that's what I said to him was, okay, well, this is, the Lamborghini is kind of like a great piece of art to the, to the designers and the builders. And so it's a higher, it's a higher functioning uh, of the human brain to be able to build uh, something like the Lamborghini. You said that? Yeah, this is what I'm. This is my re- okay. response to him, and I said, "But then, what do you do? So you stifle people's creativity, and you. What about these people that these these mechanics and the designers? You put them out of work, so now they they can't afford to feed their family. Uh, so, I think with the example of the Lamborghini, it's like the hierarchy, the priority." Have you taken care of everything? Have you given a significant portion to charity of your of your resources? And then, I mean, you have to have a lot of resources. To, you have to have given a lot of resources to charity to be able to justify, this is my opinion now, the, the cost of a Lamborghini. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it takes brilliant people to, to build a Lamborghini. Uh, that brilliance could really be put in other areas of the, of the world. I think building the Lamborghini is a... It's an incredible passion, but it's such a temptation to people for status. You know, it's, uh, uh, I, I don't know how many men or women buy Lamborghinis uh, other than for the reason because they have megabucks and they should have a Lamborghini because they have megabucks where the megabucks really could be going somewhere else. And it's a status symbol, you know. And it, but is that the it, fault uh, of the designer and the, and the uh, mechanics? No, it's not. But like the people, the people why? have their priorities uh, messed up. And, you know, but to the, me, that's almost like blaming the gun and not the gun owner. I, I, I get it, but that aptitude, that innate, born-in, created aptitude that the builder has, do you think? Do you think it was put in him to build a a uh, you know three hundred thousand dollar car? You know, do you think it was created into him so he could build a three hundred thousand dollar automobile? that could be mass produced. Do you think that's the reason why he's got that? That aptitude? I'm not even going to say charism because I, I don't see much spiritual basement on it. What do you think? Well, I, I, but I compared it with a great work of art. I know you did. I'm not saying I agree with that. It's just... Uh, yeah, so if, if a person's capable... At the time it took Michelangelo to paint the Sistine Chapel, you realize how many homes he could have painted? You know, given a fresh coat of paint to people's uh, homes, but he was called. He believed he was do, called. Do you, do you actually? He built that chapel and painted that out of the incredible beauty of his creative, created heart to fulfill finished creation through the the gifts that were given to him in, by way of his creation. It's obvious in his in his depiction of our Lord and, and all that that he was so attached to to creativity. So how is that different from the creativity of the Lamborghini? You tell me how it is different or how it's not different. I want to hear what you have to say about that. I don't see Christ in the Lamborghini, but I see Christ in Well, in, yeah, in but you, you know, putting aside the content, the ability to paint that way. He could have he could have painted a number of other scenes and it would have been they would have been just as beautiful, not as spiritual, but just as in terms of technique and the ability. I, he could have done. It. He could have painted something else, some another scene. He could have, but he's serving Christ. He's serving the church. He's serving. He's evangelizing through his painting. So What's isn't the, the mechanic? What's the, the Lamborghini doing? These are the talents that the design team and the um, mechanics have. This is their talent. They're making the use of the talents that God gave them. That's where they put their talents. 
Well, they had the talent. They didn't. They didn't create their talents. They got the talents that God gave them the brain. I know, but do you think he gave those talents so they could build a bright red Lamborghini? Well, whatever. I don't know. So you think these guys who have this talent should build like Chevy Cavalier or something? <laughs> no, no. It's no knocking at Chevy Cavaliers. I'm saying that, you know, ones like uh, you know, you're comparing, you know, a painted house or a painted shed, which I'm doing not right now, but uh, in the context of painting my shed in the backyard. Uh, I'm not going to have, you know, there's nobody coming to my house to admire my shed. I think, but I don't have the ability to paint like Michelangelo or Da Vinci. But it's needs versus wants. Once again. You know, I think you you have a, a, an incredible appreciation for art. Art, I, I, if you allow me to say, you have a need for it. It's not a want. I think we all have a need for it. We see it in creation. We don't have a need for that Lamborghini. That's put out there for wants. And you're I, talking I about well, the you're talking about the customer, but I'm talking about the designers, the builders. He has a need to do that. He or she, the designer builder, has a need to do that. If that's what they're called to, I mean, if that's what they, again, that talent they have, then what do you want? Do you want, here's what I told my, my deacon friend, <laughs> and we're still friends. <laughs> uh, I said, what do you, do you, do you want everybody to dress up like they're in, you know, Mao's China, and we all, uh, you know, wear you know, the same color clothes and uh, there's only one uniform. You get two of them to wear alternate days every week. These are talents people have. So what would you, let's say, so let's say a guy comes to you. You're, you're, you are a mountain man of pastoral care. So a guy comes up to you trouble. He's a Lamborghini designer. Okay. Dan, I have these talents. I'm, having, I'm not sure I'm a little crisis of faith or not. Um, this is what I know how to do. I build these great cars, and I'm not sure that that's answering God's call for my talents. What would you tell him to do? <laughs> he has that's eight, a really good, he that's has a eight really children. good question. He has eight children. Okay. That's a, that's a really good question. I, I like how you put that out there. Uh because it really makes me dig down. I think I'd have to sit down with him, and he's coming to me because he's in conflict with... Well, he heard, he, this, he heard this broadcast. Okay, so... And he heard down. you denigrating his work, so... Denigrating he's his going, work. <laughs> <laughs> he's going so We're, we're going to take those talents, and we're going to talk about how those talents can nurture, like, uh, enhance the integrity of God's created world and see if we could meet God's creation with his heart and I'm going to find out more about this man by doing so and maybe reveal Christ more fully in that conversation what would you maybe like to know up. about him I could tell you everything about him yeah you know, <laughs> <laughs> that's because you made this guy up <laughs> Dr. Frankenstein uh, yeah, there you go yes if humanity can do it should they do it I mean that was the talk of the atomic bomb you know, we have this capability of doing things, but oh should gosh. we do them? Should we do it? Yeah. You're right. Wow. Uh, yeah. And um, you know, so you got a design team of the atomic bomb. Uh, you got people employed for a long time to building the atomic bomb. We have a whole nuclear industry uh, for these in inventions. Uh, I personally know. I know the man personally. Know the man. He's local to me here. 
who built the repair manual, put it together for the B-52 bomber. He's, okay. Yeah. So you could have a discussion and, with him about this. Yeah. But is, he's no, it, longer, it, he's it's no a, longer with us. He, he died of alcoholism. Oh. He was he was an extremely uh, desperate desperate man, and I don't know if it came from the inner conflict or not. But he was not a happy man. All right. So we got a minute left. We're going to put that our case study. My I'm going to this guy I know. We'll revisit this another episode. But, you know, in terms of the gist of the consumerism is that, you know, we're, we, we kind of get removed from who we are. Again, yeah. that's what, you know, Pope uh, John Paul II was talking about having and not being. We, we, we get further away from each other with the technology and the advances of the technology. I mean, study after study, survey after survey, show, some of which we've discussed on the air, the misery that our youth uh, uh, report, but they have. They have these things, right? It's this uh, neglect. We, we remove ourselves from ourselves, but also from each other. Yeah. So it's not that subsidiarity, you know, where, okay, let's let's keep it close to home. Yeah. Right? But it then but magnify that hundreds and thousands and millions of times and we've got what how the harm that consumerism does to the country. And this is you know, That's we gotta we, we gotta end it yeah. in a moment, but it's just yeah, I know. how do you do it? The economy yeah. is two thirds consumerism. I don't know how we do it. But yeah, I don't it is know either, but we've got, to, we've got to do everything we can. Like you said, blue laws, detached from the commercial, the material, the whole consumer framework. Just be intentional. We, we become alive and more intentional. And we've got to become more community-driven. All right, brother. What's coming up next? Uh, stay tuned, folks, for the, uh, the Angelus and your prayer intentions with Peter and Jemmy. All right, so uh, we're going to carry this on, and I look forward to that. As always my dear friend and brother in Christ. So God bless everybody. God bless our uh, WQPH family, Mary Ann, Jean, James, and thank you, ladies and gentlemen, for your support. It's always helpful. God bless you, Danny. God bless you, Tommy. God bless you all. So, Connie, part of your homework was to read Tom Caffrey's book. What did you think? I thought it was excellent, and uh, I would like to join my wife, Kathleen, and recommending it especially to fathers it's an ideal book for a man and a boy in fact the title a boy for all seasons but a man boys need a hero's journey to reach virtuous manhood and Connie we have a surprise for everyone Tom generously donated some books for people who give a donation so we'd like to offer one for the first two people who donate one on our website you can hit the donate button and process a debit card wqphradio.org or two the second book will go to someone the first one who wants the book to mailing a check to WQPH Radio, Post Office Box 589, Medford, Mass. And this would make a great Father's Day gift to someone. Maybe it could go to a godfather, right? That's right. Godfathers of fathers. All and right. uncles count, too. Uncles count, too. Yes. Okay, so let's hope we get a lot of requests for this book, and Tom will be very happy. Happy Father's Day to everybody. Thank you for listening to The 13th Apostle with Dan Duddy and Tom Caffrey. 
For more information on Dan, visit his website at www.danduddy.com or email dcduddy at gmail.com. Tom's website is faithpilgrims.com or email trcaffrey at faithpilgrims.com. How about you? Will you be the 13th Apostle? 